Welcome to Open to Explore, the FBC Athens podcast featuring conversations at the intersection of faith and life. I'm your host, Frank Granger, Minister of Christian Community. In May of 1920, the members of Athens Baptist Church left the church building located on the corner of Washington Street and College Avenue. A new structure was planned for a new location, the corner of Pulaski Street and Hancock Avenue. In the summer of 1921, the first services were held in the new sanctuary. One hundred years later, in 2021, members, friends, and guests continue to gather for worship, education, ministry, and mission. This podcast series celebrates our 100-year anniversary of being in this location by featuring stories and memories from a variety of our members. Some will stir your laughter. Others may bring a tear or two upon your face. Our fifth episode features Allison Cunningham and Chess Smith. Here is my conversation with them. Today, joining me on the podcast is Allison Cunningham and Chess Smith. First, I would like to ask you to tell us just a little bit about when you came to this church and how you came here. Perry and I came to the church in, I believe it was the fall of 2006. I graduated with my undergrad. We were seriously dating, and he was finished with college, and we were looking for a home church because we saw our lives continuing here in Athens. So we started visiting the church around that time. We thought we'd be here for a long time, but we got married the next year in 2007, in June of 2007, here in the church. And then the next winter, Perry got a job opportunity in Knoxville, Tennessee. So we left Athens. So we left Athens for five years to Knoxville and then three years to Atlanta, Johns Creek area. And then we got the opportunity to come back. So we came back in the fall of 2016. And so we've been back ever since. Very good. (laughs) That's quite an interesting journey. It is. And then when you came back, you had children with you. We did. We had two of them that we did not leave with. (laughs) (laughs) How about you, Chess? We moved here in 2000. So we've been here around 21 years. It was with State Farm and was able to... Agency opportunity opened up in Athens, and we took it, raised both of our children in the church. So it's been wonderful. Very good. Yeah. Your first experiences here were with one pastor. Of course, you've lived through transitions here. When we first arrived, it was an interim because John Appleton had just retired. Yeah. And the first Sunday we came to church was Easter Sunday of 2000. We showed up right at 11. And the only seats left on Easter Sunday were the folding chairs at the very front. Oh, wow. Which was a a great experience (laughs) to start off (laughs) at First Baptist Athens, right up front, front row. (laughs) Who was the, I'm trying to think of the interim's name, 
Was it Anglin? Yes, Kent Anglin. Kent Anglin was here. That's right. That's right. Yeah, you know that very next Sunday, I believe it was, we ordained Jenny Dempsey. The Sunday after Easter, I believe, was the Sunday it was. Okay. I know it was in April, uh, which was the first woman ordained here in the church. Who were some of the people that you've heard speak here or teach here in the sanctuary or sing that is memorable, that really stands out to you, made an impression? I can tell you, Charlie Hooper singing Christmas Eve probably is the first thing that comes to my mind, and Kim's as well, she would tell you too, as far as the sanctuary being sacred, that was always such a moving moment when he sang. I especially remember some of the early days with Bill Ross's sermons. It was our first experiences as like young adults. I think those sermons at home a lot, um, Perry loves to talk about how he would use a lot of basketball examples. And so they sit home with him, and then that would further our conversation later. We really enjoyed his sermons. That's really good. What are some of the other kind of memorable experiences you've had in the room? I can tell you probably one of the top also was that my grandfather was able to baptize Lucy here. That was a special experience in the sanctuary for sure. In case someone doesn't know your grandfather's name? It's Chess Smith. Yes. <laughs> there are quite a number of you, Yes. Right? Uh, little Chess is Chess the Sixth. Wow. Yeah. That had to be a really special moment. It was. It was, Frank, for sure. I love it anytime the children sing. I remember must have been the first Christmas we were here, and they put on that little gown, and that's just so precious. <laughs> and then Harris's first time doing it, he was so tiny in that little light blue gown, and then they get up there, and the little ones especially with their tiny little voices singing, it's just wonderful. I really don't know how old those blue gowns are. <laughs> they oh. look great. Yeah, a lot of little children have worn them through the years. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing sure. they're still together. Yeah. Some of them have even been pulled over their heads. <laughs> I'm sure. I think I've witnessed that before, too, yes. Yeah, it is quite memorable. You mentioned, Chess, that Charlie Hooper singing, it's one of those things that makes the space feel sacred mm -hmm. in that kind of moment. What other ways in which you've experienced things there that make the space sacred? What do you think contributes to making it sacred? I can speak to that some, I think, as I was reflecting on this. When you walk in the sanctuary, if we were to go downstairs right now, and you walk in, there's no one in there. It's a beautiful space. Soft white walls, big columns. You think this is uh, architecturally wonderful. But I wouldn't call it moving. It becomes moving when it's full of people. It's the church family that makes it sacred for me. Okay. If I were in there alone, you can be still and find God, but it's not the same as when we're all together. Yeah, and that's been quite the challenge over the last year and a half oh, in the midst of the pandemic, hasn't it? Precisely. And I find a lot of us have fallen out as far as our habits of coming on Sundays aren't what they used to be, mm -hmm. and it becomes a lonely feeling. You know, you reminded me, the early part of the pandemic we were doing Palm Sunday and Easter as worship leadership with nobody in the room. It was incredibly challenging. Oh, that yeah, next I, year, though, when we had Palm Sunday, which would have been this spring, 
and children were actually there and bringing down the palm leaves. It was overwhelming to us as worship leaders because it did that very thing. The people in the room was what made that moment so incredibly special. And then the contrast of those years from the year before uh, was just profound. We've been in this church now longer than any other church in our life. I moved around son as a child. My dad was transferred. But we were in First Baptist Thomasville, early 80s, and it burned to the ground. Oh. And I bring that up because we had to meet at the uh, high school cafeteria for three years while it was rebuilt. And they built a beautiful sanctuary. The first one was beautiful. But that's where I really realized it doesn't matter where you are, the sanctuary to me is, is the congregation. Mm. Allison, what are things you contribute to making it sacred to you? Well, I think back to our wedding in the sanctuary, looking back on the pictures from that day and the way the light shines through the windows, Mm -hmm. and you get that on some special Sunday mornings. Those windows are spectacular. So it just makes it a really, really special place. I also think about Christmas time when it's decorated with all the greenery and how beautiful that is and the symbols on the Christmas tree and how that's been a consistent thing in my children's lives. So now they know to expect that and know what it is. So I really appreciate that, that it's not just a random Christmas tree decorated like you would see in a store. You know, it has meaning to it and that they've learned that. I really love the holiday season as well Mm. in there. The room's undergone a good bit of change. Of course, you all have seen some of that yourselves, having been here in the early 2000s. And then a few years ago, we did some major changes structurally to the way the front looks and changes in people, of course. Amidst all those changes, what are some things you find that are really constant? You know, Frank, I was thinking about this last Sunday, actually, when we were in there. Even though we went through those dusty days up there, you know, a <laughs> couple of years ago, it was, it was done w- wonderfully. You don't really notice it that there has been changes, which is how you want it to be, right? We expanded the stage, but it still has the same feeling that it's always had in there. So I appreciate the sanctuary. I love the way that it looks, and I love that it's a special, beautiful place for us to go every Sunday. Yeah, I'm with that. Biggest change for me was when we took out the floating pool, but there was a cross underneath, a small cross that was on the communion table, and now we have the stained cross above it the window is what I'm referring to yes it's more of the same though it's still there and and I, I find myself uh, drawn to that spot and I always have before or after the change I will tell you something funny I was on the search committee a long time ago <laughs> and I won't mention any names but we <laughs> had a candidate come look at the church one weekend and he came into the sanctuary before any renovations But he was very bold, brazen. He said, well, I can tell you one thing you're going to need to do is you're going to need to remodel this place. And it really uh, struck a nerve with me. Again, it was beautiful before we remodeled. I think we just brought it to today. That's all we've done. Yeah. That is pretty bold, isn't it? Yes. Especially on an interview. (laughs) (laughs) He did. He did not come (laughs) to to our church. So those are some tips for uh, how not to interview. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were some elements about it in that structure 
that really dated it for the time period when that work was done, but it still had a beauty to it. Yes. And I, I didn't want them to change some of the things they changed now that they have it worked perfectly. No one likes change. Yeah. We, we just don't. Humans aren't fans of change. I've thought about this on a few occasions. In our homes, we live in them, and we make changes periodically. We either update, we redesign, we may add a room or kind of change a wall. It seems to be that it would make sense that in our other spaces, like even a sanctuary space, there might need to be some changes that are made through the decades. Sure. It's not out of the ordinary, except when it's happening when you're there is a little harder sometimes. But our worship space, because it is sacred, I think it's even harder for us to see a change because we like the sameness, right? I think so. But this renovation turned out beautifully. Yes, it did. It really did. Mm -hmm. And to me, it makes the room a little more intimate. It pulls it together. I think it captures some of the warmth that was already there, and it enhances and helps the room have a warmth to it. Are there some other things that you've thought of that maybe that I haven't asked you to talk about? I was thinking about how most often we walk out the back doors when we mm-hmm. leave on Sundays. Every once in a while, I'll wander up front. A few weeks ago with Harris, Perry was talking, and we were just kind of wandering, and so he wandered up front. We looked at the church from that angle, and it's very special walking in there. And I imagine that the people 100 years ago probably used the front door a lot more than we yeah. use it now. I mean, it really is beautiful walking in from that direction. Harris, it was so funny when we were up there. I mean, he's six, and he was like, oh, I've never hardly been up here. You know, there's just a few times where maybe yeah. for Children's Square, they walk through there, but it, he has a, a task at hand, so I guess he doesn't pay attention as much. But when he was up there, it, you could tell that he was really enjoying walking through that space and looking at the church from that angle as well. Oh, that's nice. It is important to experience that room from different places because it will feel a little bit different if you sit in different places. Mm-hmm. It gives you just a little bit different perspective. That, that's a helpful thing to do sometimes. You're making me think now, because I'm in the narthex quite a bit, welcoming folks on Sunday mornings, and Malcolm Skinner, you're talking about a memory. Malcolm was in charge of that door, and just like his father before, he would get a folding chair after, i say around 11.15, right before the sermon, and would walk in and put it right by the back pew and mm-hmm. would sit there every Sunday. Yes, he would. And he ran a tight ship. <laughs> <laughs> that he miss, did. We miss Malcolm for sure. It was a tight ship, but you had confidence that you knew things were in good hands. Yes, for funerals as well. Definitely. He had a real sense of pride mm-hmm. in a healthy way for what that role meant to ensure that as people came, they were greeted well, they Mm -hmm. knew how to find a place to sit, they had what they needed, and it was a great expression of God's love to all that came through the doors. Yes. I remember he'd sit that chair down, and you kind of felt like nobody's leaving while the sermon's going (laughs) on. (laughs) Indeed. So if you wanted other people to have some really special experiences in this space. What would you want them to experience? The community. I keep going back to that, but if you come in at 11 o'clock or 11.05 and sit down and were to come one time, you probably aren't going to be able to really experience the community 
Whereas once you've been here for 5, 10, 15, 20 years and you've watched the saints go before us and the folks that are around you, it just makes the worship different. I agree. My first thought when you asked that question was what I've experienced, this everyday worships that we have because we've had some wonderful sermons throughout the years. We've had some wonderful musical performances throughout the years. And so I just think the consistency of coming and experiencing the space and experiencing the people and the space. Yeah. Now it's time for lightning round. <laughs> okay. I'll share a word, and then I just want you to tell me what makes you think of Christmas. Greenery. Candles. Children's choirs. I'll have to go with the blue robes. <laughs> Hoping my children don't misbehave. (laughs) Communion. The little spot where you put your cup. Yeah. (laughs) The time that I was passing out the plate and we ran out of grape juice. So what did you do? (laughs) Went to another deacon and borrowed some off his plate. (laughs) Made it work, Frank. Made it work. (laughs) There's always enough. Always enough. Easter. I think of the Up From the Grave He Arose song. Full House. <laughs> mm-hmm. Baptism. Lucy, as I said earlier, for sure. I think about the old pull-up top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was so unique. Very, very unique. Caught your attention. Weddings. Obviously my own. I was a bridesman for Jeannie and Pete Chamberlain. <laughs> that was quite an experience. <laughs> Don't know if you can top that wedding. <laughs> It was very unique, wasn't yes. it? From beginning to end. Good times. You'll have to share what happened at the end of the service. <laughs> Remind me. Where the gospel choir came in and sang the Hallelujah Chorus. Oh, wow. Yes. That's cool. And didn't they leave in Andy Griffith's police car? Yes, they did. <laughs> and they circled the church about five times. That's right. With a siren going. Yes. <laughs> Funerals. I haven't experienced one in here. It would be working the door for a lot of funerals over the years. And I would say there's a common thread in our pastors. They all do really good funeral services. Mm. And I wish that we knew more about the people that we're sitting beside. It's awful that we have to find out a lot of things at a funeral about someone. Balcony. I think I've only had one experience up there, and it was a crowded Easter my first. <laughs> That's where you sit when you're late, Frank. <laughs> on Easter. There you go. Unless you're super late and then you're up front. Then you're on the front row. <laughs> then you're on the front row. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, I really appreciate you all taking the time to do this. Absolutely. It's it fun to share some stories and memories. Thanks for your time. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our series recognizing the 100-year anniversary of being on the corner of Pulaski Street and Hancock Avenue. Listen next week to our sixth episode in this series featuring Livy Baxley and Adam Granger 